Veronica Explains Word of the Week was filmed before a live YouTube audience. Word of the Week! Hi, everybody! Um, hopefully you can hear us all okay. We're, I'm new at this. I haven't done a, a live stream with a guest before, so this is exciting. Um, but my name's Veronica, and Jay, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Jay from Learn Linux TV, LearnLinux.tv, Linux Geek. Uh, happy to be here. I think yes. that's about as simple as it gets. <laughs> this, this is exciting. Okay, I we're we're kind of playing with this, and hopefully it's it's working out okay. Um, can folks hear us? Like, leave a chat if you can talk about whether you can hear us. Please let us know. I, I'm not seeing any complaints about the audio, so I think we're good. <laughs> Yeah, there's usually a delay I notice between when we say something and when people hear it. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't, there's a way to fix that, but I forgot how to do I'm it. I'm sure. So. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna be playing with this, and we're gonna see how it works. And if there's any problems in the comments, we'll we'll I guess know. So sound okay? Somebody says. There we go. All right. Beautiful. So let's talk about the word of the week, which is a new feature I'm doing on the channel. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Veronica from Veronica Explains. Ah, da, da, da. Linux is awesome and so are you. That's me. Um, and <laughs> we're going to do a uh, just a kind of casual chat about stability and what it means in Linux and the the importance of it and, you know, just just define the word a little bit and define the space around the word because I think it's one of those buzzwords that you hear so much, but what does it really mean? And what does it mean to us as system administrators or Linux users or just casuals, you know, whatever we are? So that is oh. the idea. Um, Jay, do you want to add anything before we go into the definition, the dictionary definition? No, I think uh, that, that we'll start with the definition from the dictionary and then we'll um, probably turn it on its head and talk about what stability means in the industry, which is not always quite the same thing as you might think. Yes, I think I think that's great. So I'm going to, well, we have to introduce, here's the stinger, the Veronica Explains Word of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was, that was cheesy. Um, Let's see. Let's let's hope that works. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pull up the definition on my little OBS scene here. Um, this is the dictionary definition of stability: is the state of being stable, resisting change, or resisting displacement. Yep. And. In software development in Linux, the definition that I've found tends to be the software doesn't change as much, but it isn't necessarily a value judgment. And right. that is the topic for today's Word of the Week live streams. So huh, there's there's a lot to that. Um, yep. So Jay, why don't you go ahead and um, what does stability mean to you as a professional in the space? So it can mean different things. And I think as you get more in the industry, you realize that it's the eye, eye of the beholder, right? Everyone has their own definition. If you know you have the most stable Linux distribution and stable in this case, meaning it doesn't crash and it's you know 
bulletproof and then somebody with defective memory installs it and it crashes every five minutes to them that's not stable regardless of the actual um you know definition there but if we were to kind of just look at just the enterprise definition mm -hmm. stable can mean on changing it, it generally stays the same i mean we're not counting security updates here because those are going to happen anyway um something that's you know battle tested something that's i mean in the case of file systems it could be 10 years old before people consider it that it's proven itself um so i mean that's the very simple definition that i think the in industry-wide people first think of is it doesn't crash it can keep running it's generally known to be safe from those issues but um especially in the linux community and in some of the development communities um I mean, the episode could be over right there if it wasn't for the what what we're about to say next, because it's not that simple, right? Because this episode wouldn't exist if it was simple like that. Right. No, it's exact. If if stability was just a matter of oh, it doesn't crash, well then, you know, see ya. That's, that's job well done. Yep. Um, and but but stability is is convoluted. Stability is a complex thing. And yep. and how do we talk about it? What you know, like in my mind, stability kind of combines two worlds. You have stability in the developer world, which mm -hmm. in my mind very much comes down to is it a changing package? Is it a changing system? Is it a changing library? Is it a changing software? It, it really boils down to change. And, you know, coming as a developer, you know, I work in COBOL. And so my work tends to be quite stable in that sense. We're not necessarily making changes to libraries that we did 10 years ago, 15 right. years ago. They, they work the same way. An unstable project would be one that has fluidity, one that is moving and changing and adapting. It might never crash. It's not necessarily a judgment about crashing. It's more or less a judgment about change. But yeah. when you talk to the end user, when I talk to the people who use my work, they're coming at it from a completely different perspective. Stability is what doesn't break. Right. Stability, right. you know, an unstable table is the one that wobbles. Even if that unstable table has been in the restaurant for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, that's what they're defining stable as. And so right. I, I think that really complicates things when we talk about it because when you talk to a distro maintainer you know debian is going to be the perfect example i just did a video on debian so it's on the brain right now um you have the stable and unstable branch and yeah. those mean i think a different thing to the maintainer of a package than it does to the end user who may or may not be having a well-functioning system. Right, right. It, it's, it's just so confusing at first because I, I feel like we need two different words here, mm -hmm. but we don't have two different words. I mean, everything you said is correct. I wish it wasn't in one context, <laughs> but it is correct. Everything you said is right. So I personally believe that, um, and this goes against what everyone else feels, is that 
I feel like we just need to diverge stability away from unchanging because that implies that you can't have reasonably well-running software that's brand new, okay? In the enterprise, new, is it makes people nervous because you think about more support tickets because you have more people that don't know how to use the software because they change the interface or um, maybe it's not as tested as much on the hardware that you're using. But you can have a stable system that's bleeding edge. It, it is totally possible. So we have the stable definition of the system doesn't change, like you said, and also, you know, it, it runs and, and doesn't crash. So I feel like stable should fit the latter more. It, it doesn't crash, it's it's hardened and it works. I almost think we need to call it like, like, like what word could we use? Unchanged or consistent or boring? I have no idea. But because there's two different definitions, I feel like it's it probably makes sense to cover both because that's the way it is. Yeah, and is it, you know, I like consistent, but then consistency also gets into a value judgment. <laughs> it really does. There's like, just no good term I could think of. Like I I I rather enjoy Debian's approach to naming the branches with Sid if if you're unfamiliar with Toy Story being the neighbor who um is is not nice to his toys. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. calling the unstable branch Sid, you know, like what was the other thing um, Debian says about the unstable branch? If it breaks, you get to keep both parts. Yeah. That was absolutely one of my favorite lines about it, where they, you know, they give you the option to use it. And some people right. used it to great fanfare. And, you know, I think Ubuntu's based on it, um, at least forks from it. And then that's, that's another forking is a whole nother topic. But right. the, uh, the, the process of taking something unstable and making it stable is software development. And right. I, I totally get the clinging on to the language, but I do think when we're talking about things, maybe in just in the community of people who create Linux stuff, we should think about that and think about what it means for end users and consider um, discussion points or even in some cases rebranding something. I don't know if Debian needs to rebrand it. Debian's going to do what Debian does, but... Yeah, I don't think they can. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, because think of it this way. Debian is the general purpose operating system. I don't yeah. know if they still have that slogan. I think they do. Last time I looked, I, I remember seeing that. So being the general purpose operating system kind of, um, well, makes them general purpose. Normally in the industry, we'll use enterprise distro yes. to kind of describe this. So, well, you know, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, uh, SUSE has theirs, and there's a number of others. And we call them enterprise distributions, and we know what that means. It means that the software doesn't change much. It, it is built on stability, as in stability doesn't crash, keeps running. Um, right. It's not bleeding edge. But when you get outside of enterprise Linux and then you get to Debian, Debian doesn't claim to be an enterprise distribution. They don't claim to be something that you should only run on servers or desktops. It's the general purpose operating system. So that in and of itself prevents um, more of a name change because you know, now you follow in the context. So in the case of Debian, it does absolutely mean unchanging, um, or at least minimal change, I should say. And uh, that that's kind of what it means there. 
Um, but I'll get into uh, some things later that I think kind of uh, are interesting <laughs> about this that I've experienced in the past. <laughs> well, one of the things too, Debian is is an interesting case because I, you know, talk about unchanging. Debian is one of the most flexible distributions out there in terms of what you can do with an install easily after you have an install where like I, I you know, in the, in the video I just did there were in the comments and i've i've read a, a few comments like this folks have said they've had the same debian install for 5 years 10 years yep. they they're able to roll debian from one release to another and yep that goes counter to how we imagine stability in like the enterprise Linux world in terms right. of like, if I had, you know, I just did this with a client, a CentOS 7 migrating that workload to like Rocky or Alma, um, it isn't nothing. You know, there are significant breaking changes that can, you know, if, if you're jumping kernels and you know, that's it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. From a stability perspective, we would certainly refer to uh, the enterprise Linux family, RHEL, Rocky, CentOS, Alma. We would certainly refer to those as stable in the sense of they're, they're unchanging and they tend to ship older packages and th th that angle of it but if you have to change your distro every three four years in order to be on the latest kernel if you have to completely bomb out your install and start over again just to do that it leads to some questions from the user end about what stability means right and that i think complicates the language a little bit and and is really something does. we we should we should go into yeah as absolutely. a community <laughs> i actually remember the the first time that this came up for me in my mm -hmm. career when I, it was earlier on i think it was 2008 it was 14 15 years ago and for half of my linux career i've been a you know big fan of kde plasma i still like it to this day I, i've moved on from that different flavor you know things change but i remember when KDE 4 came out, 4.0.0. And I was so excited because this, you know, people that have been using KDE for a long time, they remember this, the the change from three to four and all these promises about what they were going to do. And I finally get my hands on KDE 4 when it comes out. And it is very unstable. It is crashing constantly for everybody. And everybody is complaining about this. It's not just me, it's literally Linux industry wide. And then the developers are like, well, it's the it's the .0 release. Why are you using this? You called it stable in the release notes, the newest version of the stable, or the newest, the stable version of the, what was in development, right, is considered stable. But it's not stable because we're really not supposed to be using it yet, but they called it stable. And then later on, ButterFS uh, famously went to 1.0, but they still have a lot of to-dos on their mm -hmm. wiki and things that you shouldn't use. Okay, that to me is a very different definition of stable when it's not even finished yet and they're already <laughs> calling it stable and KD Plasma didn't even finish stabilizing their uh, desktop until at least 4.3. So um, 
in the Linux space, that's why it gets confusing because sometimes the individual communities and softwares have a different definition of mm -hmm. it, and you have to adjust yours to theirs, which is weird. It is. I um, one of my uh, one of the comments here is asking was KDE four Plasma was that the first Plasma release? I don't remember if KDE four was the first Plasma release. No, they just name changed. It was at least the second, if not the third name change, because when I first started, we called it KDE. It was a K desktop environment. Yeah. There's no other thing to call it, as I'm sure I, you remember. I still do that. Old habits die yep. hard. Same here. And <laughs> then they, I forgot what the, the name became. It was super confusing, which is probably why I don't remember it. And then it changed again to KDE Plasma to define the desktop uh, specific portion of it. It's so hard to change habits. We could just call it KDE, not because we're being disrespectful. It's hard to stop. Sure, absolutely. Um, I will say we're we're starting to get comments coming in. Um, folks, feel free to leave a comment. Because <laughs> yep. so one of the things I I'm intending on this. Uh, just for housekeeping purposes, I might make this into a podcast. That's kind of what I'm leaning toward doing is capturing this and putting it on some kind of audio player so people can listen to it that way. So feel free to leave a comment. I will read um, some of the more interesting ones here and we'll just discuss that together. Um, Zoe says, we really need a new definition of 1.0. That's that's an interesting angle of this. I, I, you know, is 1.0 in like in my mind, maybe it's just because I'm burned. Um, but 1.0 is one I don't use anytime it's a 0.0 right. release. I try not to use that one. Um, like maybe that should be 0.999 repeating. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think the issue is we'll never, as much as I agree with that, we'll never get to a point where you know, we, we could synchronize all developers around a definition of 1.0 because mm -hmm. it's hard to get any developer to agree with another one already as it is. Absolutely. And I also don't know if this is still true, but I used to admin Windows machines quite a bit too. And I feel like in the Windows space, 1.0 means 1.0. It means it's uh, an actual release you could use daily. And uh, I don't know if that's still true, but it seemed that way back then. And then in sure. Linux, it's the first release of as far as we know it's stable we don't think it'll crash so mm -hmm. <laughs> but i think it's really hard to do i think the what i feel people should focus on is stop calling it 1.0 until it actually is <laughs> i just think that's the you know the from the developer side i mean cuz reputation is hard to lose in linux At so butterfs could fix every single problem that they have and people still won't use it because they remember when it went to 1.0, yep. there was issues. I was, and, I was gonna yep. say, I was gonna say ButterFS is yep. really, it comes to mind because there's still so much um, baggage associated with just talking about it. And for all of the benefits that the project has really gotten over the last, you know, number of years of development, it's still, People still talk about um, right holes, and people still talk about don't don't use RAID five or don't you you know and and it's once you lose reputation, it's it's very hard to win back if not impossible, yeah. and that is extremely challenging. Yeah, it's like in the Linux community, there's a lot of grudges, and it takes a long time for that to to go away. I feel like. 
I'm being sarcastic, but I, I kind of feel this is true. Uh, if ButterFS renamed the file system, but nothing else changed, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody would have a different opinion of oh, it. Oh, yeah, of um, course. If somebody forked it, then mm-hmm. absolutely. You, you could totally get everybody to adopt it. But at, at some point, you bring it up. It's like, was, isn't that the file system that was broken for everyone? Yep. No, it's the file system everybody misunderstood, and they prematurely called it 1.0. But yeah. <laughs> yep. Nope. Nope. That's that's exactly it. And I... I I think there could be some benefit to redoing that. Um, okay, I, I've been asked to restate the word of the week, so I'm going to do a quick word of the week restatement. Okay, the word of the week is stability, which the dictionary defines as the state of being stable, resisting change, or displacement. But of course, in software and Linux, it means a great number of other things, and we're just having a discussion about that. Um, yep. So now let's, um, we're getting some comments in. I just want to take a look at it. LJ says they also think of Debian testing as rolling. Um, that's, nope. yeah, I, that's, I don't know if I'm with you on that, LJ. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally not. Um, it doesn't fit the definition of rolling. I understand why people think it might, because um, most of the time it is. But it has a freeze window. Yes, Rolling we're, which we're getting not, into right, right. now. <laughs> hey, um, unstable is rolling. Debian mm-hmm. unstable is absolutely rolling. Testing at most could be semi-rolling, but I, I say no, because testing is created with the intention of it becoming a release. Rolling distributions only have releases that are technically snapshots of right. how it is, not an actual release in every sense of the word. So unstable, rolling, testing, unfortunately, no. You know, I, 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 I'm I, with you on, on that, absolutely. One one thing I wonder about is, because I, I got this comment quite a bit, of Debian unstable, Debian SID, is a rolling release like Arch. And it certainly rolls. You know, I don't think we right. can we can debate that, but is Debian SID a release or is Debian SID a workspace? You know, like hmm. that's a, you know, when I think of rolling release distro, I and I said this in my video, I think of the rolling release distro as a distro that is designed to be at the end a rolling release. Yeah, and SID yeah, isn't designed to be that for anybody. Right. You know, that's that's at least my my theory on it. Right. I I don't know that that make that makes a critical difference in terms of how you use it. Um you know, uh, like arch can feel just as unstable as SID, and SID can feel just as stable as a well-tuned Arch machine right. if you're doing it right, and that's the key. You have to do it right first. <laughs> you have to have the right understanding in mind. And there's this, I don't know if it's still as true today, but but a debate between, you know, if you don't want to run stable because it's too old, should you run Debian testing or unstable? And there was uh, quite a bit of debating about that, but the idea is that 
um, unstable is going to potentially break more often, but you're also going to get fixes faster as well. If testing is broken, it's it's going to be more time until it gets a fix. So there's a, a you know some people that would say if you want to run something other than stable, it should be unstable instead of testing. And then you have people making the opposite right. argument there. I, I feel like there's no right or wrong answer. It, it depends on you know which one works best for you. And I think that's the best definition there. But then there's of course the, it gets more complicated because somebody will, will do a mixed install of Debian stable yeah. to pull in some things from testing, which is not supported, not a good idea. And I understand it works for a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have no issue doing this. But the way I look at it, you never have an issue until you do. Right. You know, and uh, that this this debate or this discussion about um, pinning, uh, uh, there was there was some good talk about that in the comments of my Debian video where and in I saw some of this in Reddit, too, about Debian and um, just the value of pinning versus of taking the the what the distribution maintainers are intending and just using what they intend. Right. Um, I mean, I I'm torn on this. Like on the one hand, if you know how to do it, do it. And if you're comfortable with the pat, I mean, I don't want to tell somebody your packages need to be kept in one area or another. You know, that's fine. Right. But it seems like a lot of the Comments. I just say from the comments. It's it's my own observation. Um, the comments about things that went wrong in Debian had a lot to do with people trying to grab something from upstream and pull it in. Oh, I used Debian Solid except for the one thing that I pulled in from Unstable, and it broke. So Debian is no good. And it's like, well, Debian's no good for you then. Maybe you shouldn't use it. That doesn't mean it's bad. That just means it's not what you want for your particular need. And that's you know, not, not a value statement in that sense. It's just a practical statement. But I think folks lose that when they get into the distro wars and thinking that all distros need to be, you know, everybody gets into one distro and it's what they want. And if it didn't work for them, it's crap and no one should ever use it, which is ludicrous. And you know, I think you actually ridiculous. just came up with a really good um, new term for Debian on accident. And I don't know if you realize this. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. You you accidentally called it Debian Solid. Ooh. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that is perfect because that doesn't imply um, anything other than it's a solid object. Solid is, it doesn't have elasticity. It's not, you know, a chemical. It's a solid thing. I think... Man, um, that was, we weren't even trying. And you, we you weren't even it. trying. There we go. I'll take it. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, this gets into the, the immutable file system too, which is a definite direction, you know, we seem to be going um, between uh, Silver Blue and what Silver Blue is working on over at Fedora, but yeah. then also uh, SteamOS and SteamOS really setting a good bar for what an immutable system can look like with a salt like a, a core that some might consider unstable but a core that is well maintained well processed and then put out in a console like fashion um i what we define as stable i think is going to shift a bit 
as immutability becomes more normal throughout our world. I mean, I know for me, Debian starts to look more and more pleasing the the further and further along for me FlatHub gets because suddenly I start to see FlatHub packaging so much of what I use and packaging it pretty well for desktop. It's like, I could imagine my next editing rig could be Debian with just a bunch of flat packs on it for editing and this sort of thing with live streaming. I, I don't need some gaming performance or anything like that, but. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good, good point there because I feel like, you know, before I could never consider Debian as my daily driver because I need, I don't need bleeding edge. I need newer things. And yeah. At some point, I don't think people realize how bad this hurts some people because if you're just using the repositories, and I use this example a lot, and you're just using the version of LibreOffice that came with it, you are missing out on the newest version, which normally wouldn't be a problem. So what? You don't always need the latest version. But when it comes to LibreOffice, you know, Microsoft Office isn't slowing down development, so LibreOffice has to keep up with it when it comes to Office compatibility. And if you're using you know, three versions old LibreOffice, then you may have actual issues collaborating with people that are using Microsoft Office. And um, when I first started Linux, uh, we didn't have FlatHub or any of that. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I have to wait for the the next release of the entire operating system just to have a newer application. And somebody thought that was a good idea. And since then, I've understood why that's the case. I'm still against it because I feel like users should always have the ability to um, hand pick a newer version if they want it or right. to stay with stable in this case. But FlatHub gives us that. And I feel like that was the missing piece of Debian for me. And now that that is you know, becoming more popular, I can get the latest version of LibreOffice very easily, Firefox, Thunderbird, whatever it is, as I need to and leave the rest of the system as is. And, and that to me has probably made Debian even better than it even was before. It's a Absolutely. great thing. No, I, I that, the, I, I think the the potential ramifications for Linux getting better software packaging, it, it's never looked better than it does right now. Just in terms of desktop users, um, that I mean, I don't use FlatHub on servers in any capacity. I don't know many people who do. I'm much more likely to use a snap in production than anything else other than native packages. Um, but the uh, the general flow of of Linux has been so positive since FlatHub has really emerged. Um, yep. Not to make a accidental Gen 2 pun, but um, <laughs> was that a Gen 2 pun? I didn't mean to. Um, yeah. So the, I, I just, I think it's going to be really cool what, um, as things evolve. And, you know, a lot of the comments here have been uh, folks excited about Bookworm. Um, mm-hmm. Bookworm looks good, book, you know, in terms of the next stable uh, for Debian, it, it does look fantastic. And uh, oh yeah, I just installed Bookworm on a test laptop last week and it looks fantastic. And I was absolutely pleasantly surprised at how solid Gnome felt on stock Debian, Debian 12, but stock Debian with Flatpak 
and it was just it it was a couple clicks to get Flatpak installed. I think I had to run one terminal command, and as I was using it, I was thinking, this is a distro I could imagine my grandparents using. Like, this mm -hmm. is something I could imagine recommending to folks who've never used Linux if we needed to give them something that was going to be relatively easy to maintain. Now, we'll see how it progresses. There's, you know, a lot right. of time between now and release, but... But I, I think it's going to be fantastic. We did have one question in the comments, too, that I, I wanted to address here. And, Jay, maybe you know the answer off the top of your head. Mm -hmm. It's been a bit since I've done this. Um, if, you, if you stay on Debian testing, does it automatically shift when the new release comes out to the next testing? I think if you specify in Deb that it's testing, it automatically jumps to next testing when those packages are available. But maybe you, yeah. you know for sure. I, I, yeah, there's two ways you could do this. So the first thing is you look at your app sources and it'll either have the code name or the version number testing or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that really is what defines it. So if your sources list, if you're running testing right now and you have bookworm in there, then what's gonna happen is once it becomes stable, it becomes stable for you too, if you keep yeah. the updates installed. And if, if you if don't you change that, Right. If you don't change that, you're always going to be on Bookworm unless you decide to do something else. Now, if you'd use the, the keyword stable instead, then at some point there's going to be a new stable release. And I've run into this. What'll happen is when you go to do your next apt disk upgrade or whatever, it'll warn you, hey, by the way, you <laughs> have stable in there. Just want you to know this is going to yep. completely move you to a new OS. So they do a pretty good job with uh, warning their users about that, I, I think. And testing is testing. So... Um, it's just always going to be that. And then, you know, there's also old stable, but that's going down in the weeds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was going to well. say old stable. I, yeah. I've had to deal with old stable working with uh, packages uh, commercially for some of my customers. And right. it's, or pinning something back from old stable. I mean, that's not unheard of, but it's complicated. Um, let's see, I'm looking through the comments and does do FlatHub packages work well though, as good as native package it was from Leah. Um, as good as native package really depends on what you're doing with it in my experience. Um, in some cases, it, there's some work to be done, but in other cases it works really well. I currently edit all my videos off of the Flat Hub version of Caden Live, and it, it works really well. I think this stream is being done with the Flat Hub version of OBS, and it works pretty well, at least in my opinion. You all tell me in the comments if you don't think the stream's going well. Um, but I, I think it's it tends to be pretty good, um, but if the package is not packaged well, well, then you're going to have problems, and that does happen. Yeah, I've I've run into problems, and um, I had to stop using flat packs for some things, and I don't think mm. it's flat packs' fault, honestly. I, I I really do think there's a bug in GNOME. Specifically, my theory oh. is G GVFS, because what would happen for me is I would have Firefox as a flat pack, and ultimately it would lose its ability over time during the day to access the local file system. Like it starts out being able to do that. So I go to YouTube and I upload a video. I select the video, it works just fine. Then later that same day, I go to select a video, but no file chooser comes up yep. at all. And it just doesn't work. I reboot the entire system and it's fine. It's almost like there's a certain number of file handles it's creating and there's too many and it just loses its way and there's GVFS uh, errors in the system log. 
I, that's not insurmountable. And that's the only problem that I ran into. So that's a good sign. And it, yeah. maybe they've fixed it by now. And I, I think any other desktop environment probably would not have had that problem, probably. <laughs> so, it's, it's, but I had to stop using it because I need to upload video and I don't want to restart my computer every time I want to upload a video. Absolutely. I've had, I, I will say, um, one area where flat hub or flat pack versions of software have struggled for me is in uh, operating system integrations with things like a file chooser, file manager, file picker. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, keeping my uh, favorites in the file manager, you know, how you can like bookmark a folder so that it shows up and, and from yes. version to version of a flat pack version, I've had some issues where that's been deleted or removed or falls apart and I have to do some work to get it back. Um, it's very minor and I'm imagining those are simple, fixable solutions that, that can come up. Um, what I will say is it's significantly easier for me than trying to work with like a PPA where right. when I, I mean, some PPAs are better than others, but generally speaking, trying to bring in software from a PPA and then keep other things stable <laughs> is a challenge. It's not right. super easy. Um, it depends on what you're doing and some are better than others. Um, uh, but it's just, it, it definitely becomes a thing. Um, right. So let's see, we've got, uh, some folks have said they don't use flat, um, Michael says, never use flat packs, remove snap from Lubuntu, apps install fine without either of them. Um, yeah, they that's install a very fine. common one. Yeah, and I, I, it's not fine. Um, it might be fine for that individual. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I think that's the problem. It's not a problem, actually. If it works, it's not a problem, right? For some mm -hmm. people, apt is fine. It's enough. That's absolutely true. But that isn't the industry-wide um, situation because if something is okay for me, it's okay for me. It doesn't mean it's okay for the most for most people and. There's going to be people that just don't have a use case for this. They just are not benefited by snaps. They're not benefited by flat packs. They have no mm -hmm. use for this at all. And that's totally okay. Yeah, But course. I could tell you from experience, these universal packages are needed. They're necessary. They're required for Linux adoption to get good because for us, Linux users, we get this. We understand this. We could add a PPA. We know this. We know that. We, we know how to do this. We have the postcard to prove it. But think about other people and their mindset. Like if LibreOffice comes out with a new version today, Windows users can go to the website, download an installer and install it. Mac OS, they could do the exact same thing. If you're just using apt install everything, well, good luck. Unless you're gonna, you're willing to put in a new repository, you're never going to get that new version of LibreOffice until the whole operating system moves. And that is just not a good way to do it. In my opinion, universal packages allow you to choose just to use apt. You could choose Absolutely. to forego that, but it exists for the people that want it. So if your job requires you to have a specific version of a piece of software, then you could have it without, you know, making the rest of your system unstable mm -hmm. and, and keeping the stable repositories as is and just pull that one thing in because you just need that one thing. And I think that gives people power. You could choose to avoid it or you could choose to use it if you need it. And I think that's the important thing to keep in mind. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. It's, it's just such a powerful thing that we've got here in Linux. The this, this capability to um, keep the the innards of the system from being messed with by the software that we choose to install, and especially on the desktop, this is just so critical. And it's right. it's definitely a good lesson that that desktop developers have learned over you know the umpteen years of the desktop is we we have this and this is a capability we can use um right zoe mentions there's also deb get yep deb gets a thing um it's definitely a thing uh <laughs> i don't know if it contributes to your stability or not but um let's see uh, Bobby says, I'm all behind Flatpak being the standard app should be for keeping the OS just simply solid so that it doesn't break. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the standard is, I, I worry about the word standard. Um, yeah. I, because, like, only because that's going to get a lot of... Um, you have to have some level of corporate interest in order to actually see a standard build. And right. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be Flatpak. And I personally think Flatpak is doing great. I prefer it to Snap in terms of the desktop experience. But yep. um, is it the standard yet? I, I don't know. What does that look like? Well, I think um, th there's some comments where some people might have confusion over why this is even necessary in the first place. Um, so generally speaking, when you install software in a Linux distribution, you know, you're know you pulling in dependencies and, and that's all fine and good. But what if a piece of software you want to run needs a library that's newer? And if you upgrade, upgrade that library, then you can no longer run this other application because it requires an older one. And then you start to wrestle with that. Some people never encounter that. They'll yeah. go their entire Linux career and they'll never run into that once. And some people will run into it all the time. So the idea is to separate the applications from the rest of the package um, environment. And it's not, um, unless you're talking about canonical here, because you know if they could make everything a snap package, I think everybody knows they would. Yes. But it's <laughs> not really the point though, because um, it's just all about choice and having that capability. But I think one of the bigger benefits is something that we aren't going to notice. So if you think of a development shop, let's just say Acme develops like this amazing program that everybody wants I to install. I love Acme. Yeah, I know they're all over, right? They do all these things. But, but um, they don't develop that, that app for Linux at all. So there's just no version for Linux. So some people might be using Wine or something to force it to work. But Absolutely. Maybe one day um, the manager says, hey, this Linux thing, can you look into this, Mr. or Mrs. Developer, and just let me know what you think? And they look into it like, yeah, I'd have to develop an RPM, not one, but I, one for Fedora, Red Hat, um, and also SUSE, we need a dev package, not one. We need one for Ubuntu. We need one for Debian and we need all these things. And then, yeah, no, we don't got time for that. So we're right. just not going to do that. But with these universal packages, it allows everything to be self-contained and mm -hmm. something that they could develop towards. And then if someone wants to know how to get that app running on Debian, then the answer is install Flatpak and then here you go. Yeah. And they don't have to think any further than that. Now, you could argue probably pretty easily, is that a good idea or a bad idea? And you'd probably be right on either side. But if you think of it in terms of this software would never come out with Linux, there's a 0% chance 
unless they have an easy way to get in there and get it Absolutely. done. That might be the only chance we have. So I think there's there's power in that. But here we have like at least three popular formats, app image, yeah. snap packages, flat packs. And then we get to the trade-offs, uh, yep. the pros and cons here, because snap packages are going to work better on the command line because command line apps are present. Yes. They're less present on Flatpak. It's more desktop oriented. Um, Flatpak can have different repositories, different stores. The biggest problem with snap packages, and I think this is one of the most complained about things and, and rightfully so, you have their app store. That's yes. it. It creates a walled garden. And I feel like if that wasn't the case, there'd be a lot more adoption there. But then also they incorporated that into Ubuntu prematurely before they mm -hmm. figured out the slowdown issues. Um, so there's pros before and cons Before it was stable, one might right. argue. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's pros and cons of each. As Absolutely. far as becoming a standard, I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna uh, call it right now. At some point, Canonical is going to abandon Snap and go to uh, flat packs, just like they did with GNOME when they're developing Unity. Now, Canonical is stubborn. Everyone that knows Linux knows this. <laughs> it could be five years down the yes. road until they make this decision. And every day, they're going to tell you, we are all in on Snap packages. We're never going to change. And then a day after saying that, oh, by the way, we're not doing the Snap package thing. We're just going to develop upstream with, with uh, GNOME or whatever and um, flat pack and all this. I, I totally call it right now it'll yep. they'll they'll deny it and they'll say that i'm i'm off my rocker on this but mm -hmm. you know i guarantee it at some point it's like okay we tried to make snap happen it's not so we concede yeah so. no i i completely agree with you i think that's the direction yep. it's going to go At the very least on the desktop i i right. there's there is a certain i flap and this has been one of the comments to uh, just to summarize several of the comments have said one of the things they don't love about flat pack is that it you have to alias in order to get terminal apps and flat pack and or at least run them from the terminal and that's absolutely I, I wish that was easier i wish there was some yep. kind of automatic like perhaps when you install flat pack it sets up an aliasing option that once you install the software, it prompts you, would you like to alias Kdenlive to the terminal? Right. You know, something like that. That that would be so amazing. If you're a Flatpak dev and you're you're watching this or listening to it, that's free. <laughs> that's free. You can have it. Right. I, I, I don't need any credit. Um but it's it's definitely a helpful thing. A few people have asked us to summarize Flatpak. It's it's basically um, sandboxing, um, and and shipping certain dependencies along with the operating system. So, yep. or I'm sorry, shipping certain dependencies along with the package. So that way you kind of have an all-in-one built-in thing that avoids some of the dependency hell that you get from native packaging yep. on Linux. Yep. Um, Jay, do you have anything else you want to add to my brief summary? That's true. Um, that that's absolutely the case. It, we we call them universal packages, for lack mm -hmm. of a better terminology or phrase, to define the idea. You know, it's kind of like that um, XKCD comic. You know, we're going to come out with a standard, then we yes. have this standard, then we have that standard. So here we have three of these. Yeah. Uh, we we At only least intended. You didn't to have talk one. about Nick's. You didn't talk about Nick's packaging either. So. No, I haven't. I need to get into that. I need to check <laughs> that out. But um. I mean, that's the idea. And and some people are very against this. And I think that's okay. But understand that there's never going to be a time where every Linux distribution 
is using universal packages. It's just not going to happen. And even if it did, somebody's just going to fork a distribution and make it not that because that's just the way it is. So it's one of those things, if you hate the idea, you don't have to use it. You don't have to worry about, you know, apt going away because it's not, um, I mean, in Ubuntu, who knows? But in Debian, absolutely not. It's not going to go away. Debian won't do that. No. And even if they did, somebody will fork it, right? So we don't have to worry about being forced <laughs> along with this. It's just... Um, if you yeah, want to stick with Ubuntu, maybe you'll be forced into it because that's the direction they're going, but you could also switch off of Ubuntu and use something else. So nothing is ever going to be 100% in Linux. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of trouble here. One of the issues, um, actually going back to your alias point, um, yes. I feel like it's a no-win thing here because I think the question you think you brought up is good if it asks the user, but if it ever makes assumptions, people are going to hate it because it's going to do that for you. Um, but what what happens if you have Tmux installed from Snap, but you mm -hmm. also have the dev package installed? Well, you can't have a symlink because that path is already taken yes. by the one. And that's why we don't have symlinks because it wants to give you the ability to maybe run this version of Nmap from Snap, but then maybe this older version does something better Absolutely. and you want to run it the next day. Uh, but if you go on Let's Encrypt's documentation, ln-s to create a symbolic link is absolutely part of it. And it's a snap package thing. It's not any yeah. better over there. It's just not, it's the same problem. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. Um, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I think ultimately, you know, just to bring it back around and <laughs> head home, because we got to yep. pull down the stream in a minute. Um, yep. But the uh, really ultimately, I think that Flatpak has the best chance of improving Linux's stability on yep. the various distros and getting one place or one protocol to build out applications that we don't otherwise currently have in Linux. Right. Like, I have to imagine there's going to be some Microsoft discussions taking place. And whether or not you like that is one thing. But I'm imagining the discussions are happening. And they're going mm -hmm. to be talking about if we wanted to bring a version, like even a restricted version of, of Microsoft Office or whatever they're calling it now. Um, I don't know why they're getting rid of their office branding. It's the worst decision in the world because they have the best yeah. branding. They own the word office and they're <laughs> deciding to get rid of it. Um, they Enterprise is their future. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get away. I mean, not that people don't use office and enterprise. Obviously they do, but mm -hmm. their focus is cloud and yeah. support agreements and things like that. That's the future. There's no money in operating systems anymore. I and, mean, Mac OS used to cost money. It doesn't now. So yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, like that's one of the things too is I'm sure they're they're doing their key analysis on what's going to make the money in the future. It's just it's amazing that they have uh, this what is a pretty good word processor and spreadsheet, and you know they're basically synonymous with presentations and spreadsheets and Excel yeah. and PowerPoint. Um, those have become genericized trademarks at this point, uh, and. Outlook is one of the most popular uh, email clients for enterprise anywhere. Yep. It's it's very well respected 
branding and they're just not going to be using as much of that branding anymore but um maybe they will maybe they're maybe they got plans for outlook i don't know um but getting those things on linux you can like that idea or not like that idea but i think it would help at least some organizations adopt linux yep and yeah i absolutely think it would yep that is one of the key things toward Linux operating systems, Linux desktops, Linux distros, getting stability is that level of interest when you have corporations that are dis that are putting it on computers that are desktops. That is going to help. Getting corporate backing for this does help us get there. And... Yep. Some you, you might not like it, and that's fine. Don't you don't have to use those distros. You don't have to use those. You know, like you can go use something else. Whatever you're, you know, we need not look further than Devuan. De, I can I Devuan. never know how to Devuan. Devuan, we, we, Devuan, I believe. Yeah. We need look no further than you know somebody disagreeing with System D and deciding to split off into their own a, thing. I was just about to bring that up. Yep. yep. Like. You, that's the beauty of Linux. That's the beauty of this thing is that if we don't like it, there'll be changes. There'll be broken stuff or split apart stuff or forked stuff. And that's a wonderful thing that we have. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's like it's self-governing because if, mm -hmm. you know, you don't like something, that's fine because there's probably other people that dislike it just as much as you. And if, if you get together with those people, you could probably develop something to work right around that. It's not a problem for you. And most things come from scratching your own itch anyway. That's where yeah. most open source projects come from. So absolutely, um, there's never a worry about this stuff taking over. And even if it does, it'll be forked. So Abs yeah, it'll be fine. Absolutely. Well, I think we got to wrap up here. Yep. So, the, Jay, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm yep. so glad to have you on the channel as my first guest here on the Yay. Word of the Week um, stream podcast, pod stream, streamcast. I don't know what we're going to call it. Um, whatever it is, I'm just very grateful to have you here. So thank it's you so much. And to everybody else, thank you for your comments. Thanks for everything. We'll, I'll try to do another one of these next week and we'll see what we can do. Um, but in the meantime, Linux is awesome and so are you. And Yay. thank you so much for watching. And we'll see you next time.